Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everybody. Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, we're going bowling and then counting down the top five life decisions that always, always come back to bite you. So, you know, it's a, a way different life than, uh, than other sports. Um, it's a really, really fine line between being really great and just being really, really good. So you become really good at something because of practice, uh, because of... Uh, motivation because of confidence uh, where some people think it's arrogance and cockiness uh, but in an individual sport you have to have that oh kingpin's the worst is the it? absolute worst yeah well from a bowling from a bowling perspective because it just it, it, it makes us look so horrible i want to thank you guys so much for joining us if you get a chance like download subscribe share we really appreciate it it really helps us out i'm really excited about this episode because who doesn't like going bowling honestly like even if it's something that you don't do that much everybody still likes bowling but the amazing thing that we learned in this is that what makes a professional bowler special what makes somebody really really good at it is so much different than other sports because it's something that you can't really see. Even when you're watching it on TV, you don't realize what, what one of the main obstacles that they're kind of going against is. Our guests for this episode are professional bowler Bill O'Neill and professional bowler Sean Rash. They're both on the PBA Tour and they're both some of the best bowlers that are out there. Real quick, though, the format for this episode is going to be a little bit different. We asked both Bill O'Neill and Sean Rash the same set of questions. In alphabetical order, you'll hear Bill O'Neill first and then Sean Rash. What hooked you on bowling? Um, you know, it was kind of like how anybody really gets into anything, really. Like, I, um, when I grew up, my, my dad bowled, my grandfather bowled. A lot of my family were involved in it, so you know I didn't really know that it was the, you know a niche sport until um, you know until I was you know probably in high school. Like I just this, it's just what I did, it's what my family did. So um, you know it wasn't so much later in life that I, I realized how you know how rare it is to, to kind of um, you know be in the position that uh, that I'm in now. Uh, you know, really bowling started back in Anchorage, Alaska, uh, in my youth days, my parents did it as a uh, family activity, kind of a night out for them. Uh, but then my, my brother and I got involved in the, you know, the kids Saturday morning league. Um, I got hooked on it pretty early and then started following them to the bowling centers on Tuesday, Wednesday and Friday nights. And then I started bowling a junior league on Sunday nights with my dad, a junior adult league. Uh, and it just became something like I said, a, a family activity and it was fun to do. Were you good from the start? Um, yeah, I, I probably, yeah, I guess so. Um, uh, you know, I guess in the, you know, my local youth, youth leagues, I was probably always, you know, kind of near the top and average at a, at a young age. And it, you know, it helps when you have people in your, in your immediate circle that are, um, that are good as well. And they also are smart about, about the game so they can teach you. So I, you know, I kind of had a leg up in that, 
know, in that regard from the very beginning. I don't know if anybody's ever good from the start at anything they do. Uh, personally, I think it takes, you know, a lot of practice, a lot of dedication, a lot of money spent, uh, and hard work. But, uh, I was told I was a natural athlete, you know, hand eye coordination. I played baseball growing up as well. Um, and, and probably could have pursued that if I had maybe lived in a different state other than Alaska. But, uh, um, you know, just something that I did every day. So, you know, you got thousands of reps and practice in, uh, you, you learn a, a trade of skills and, and whatnot, and you take your talent with it and, uh, you know, support goes a long way as well. Why are you good at it? Is it, is there something about you physically? Is it a mental thing? Like, why are you good at it? Yeah, the hand-eye coordination is really important. So I think like if you, you know, most most bowlers are at least fair at stuff like golf. Um, you know, the one of the, the most accomplished bowler in the world is also one of the best um, horseshoe pitchers uh, of all time. Just because you know, the same kind of idea. You know, with the with the hand-eye coordination, and you you know, you find a lot of a lot of guys who can. You know, there's a a lot of guys who played like high school basketball and you know things like that, especially with the you know the, the hand-eye coordination stuff. But you know, you don't need to be you know it's not the run fast, jump high type of sport. So you're not you know the the you know and like brute strength isn't really helping you. So it really is the really is the hand-eye coordination stuff that is um, you know pretty important. I think every athlete in every sport has their different uh, positives and negatives, right? So you become really good at something because of practice, uh, because of uh, motivation because of confidence, uh, where some people think it's arrogance and cockiness. Uh, but in an individual sport, you have to have that, um, you know, because no one else is really cheering for you besides your family and the select group of, uh, close friends. Uh, physically, I think as a kid and even through my college days and my first couple of years on tour, I was stronger than most, uh, had a higher rev rate, higher ball speed and kind of overpowered things. Uh, as I've gotten older and have dealt with injuries, um, I've had to learn from my past, uh, you know, the positives and negatives and learn from failure more than anything on how to be successful at an older age. On the kind of flip side about that, when, when you look at like the best bowlers of our, of all time, what separates them from you? Oh man, it's a tough question because there's a lot of, there's a, there's just so many factors that go into it. Like, you know, your, your, the way you're like your natural ability, the way that you're, that you just kind of throw it, um, dictates a lot. You know, your ability to put revolutions on the, on the ball, like how much, you know, as, as people would say, um, you know, most people who don't do it, they, they refer to it as spin. Um, you know, that kind of the amount that you're able to put on there, the amount of torque you're able to create. Um, is very, very much natural. It's re- really, really hard to increase it um, as you progress in the game because just kind of the way you throw is the way you throw it. And then you kind of tweak things here or there. So, um, you know, people have certain games that, um, you know, the way they develop, they, they match up to certain eras. You know, we have technological advancements in bowling like every other sport does. So things things evolve and, and change. And, and, you know, there's a certain, like, you know, some circumstance that would, um, dictate to where people get, uh, you know, whether they're great or just kind of like really, really good. And so the, I think like kind of a long winded answer to your question, but it, um, is a really, really fine line between being really great and just being really, really good. You know, the biggest thing about, uh, I think the greatest of all times compared to where I stand in our sport is the amount of majors I've won. Um, I've only won twice, and I say only won twice. I've been in position to win probably a, a half dozen to a dozen more. Uh, I've bowled for the title in all of them. Unfortunately, I've lost in the title in the three that I'm missing. I have two of the five majors, and um, you know, so you start looking at the greatest of all time, like Norm Duke, uh, Walter Ray, Earl Anthony, Jason Belmonte, uh, Pete Weber. They have uh, you know multiple majors, uh, eight, ten, twelve, thirteen, you know, whatever it is. And they've dominated in, a, uh, in certain eras as well. So Jason has dominated over the last decade. Um, and then I would say followed by myself, uh, EJ Tackett, and now Anthony Simonson has probably had the best, you know, next couple of decades, uh, so to say. Um, and quietly, Bill O'Neill's had a resurgence over the last couple of years where he's, uh, you know, him and I have very similar resumes uh, since we've came on tour. 
again, you know, I can't go into an event thinking someone's better than me. You know, when you have a dominant run and I've had a, a couple of them, uh, I had a really good run last summer in the, the summer swing through the fall with the U S open and winning in China. Um, I just, you know, you walk into a building and you go, man, I'm going to make this cut. I'm going to make this show. And you know, anything can happen then. Um, and there's a couple guys that are going through that right now where they have a mental edge over others where they go, Oh, we're not beating him this week. We're bowling on his favorite pattern. How many hours a week on average are you putting into it between just practice, practice and any kind of physical training? When I was, when I was just starting out, when I was younger, like, uh, you know, late teens, um, early twenties, mid twenties, and I was just trying to get my feet wet, you know, professionally. And, uh, I was, I was competing and bowling a lot. I was in there. I was in the bowling centers every day practicing and, you know, several hours a day bowling. Cause you know, there's just a lot of different aspects to the game that most people don't know. You have to really be able to change your speed, vary your angles, uh, understand how to like slightly increase and dis and decrease your, you know, your rev rate, which is the, you know, the amount of spin you put on it. Um, because the, the way the environment is, it's, they put oil on the lanes and they can put it on the lanes in different volumes and different ratios, and different shapes, um, to make it easier or harder to, you know, to, to, to strike. Um, so you have to be aware of all those things and be able to alter your game. So in the beginning I was putting in a ton of time now that, you know, I'm in my late thirties now and, um, I understand the game at a pretty, pretty high level and I understand my game. So I've, um, you know, in order to preserve my body and, and be able to do it for a little bit longer, I've, um, slowed down the practice a little bit. Um, but I, I, you know, I still, when we're in season, we bowl a ton. And then, you know, when I'm getting ready for the, you know, for the start of the tour again, for like, you know, probably six weeks beforehand, you know, I'm in there three, four days a week for a couple hours. Uh, well, right now I'm going to tell you that I'm not going to throw a bowling ball for probably the next month. Um, I've been home a week, so I'll give it probably another three weeks, but, uh, because of the injury to my lower back, uh, want to stretch and rest and, and try to work out it you know, certain ways to, to strengthen it. Uh, we don't have anything currently coming up either to, to compete in. That's uh, unless something from the PBA miraculously shows up at end of August and September. So our next event is the PBA league end of September as of right now. So about three weeks prior to that, um, basically the first of September, roughly I'll start uh, getting all my bowling balls in order uh, make sure I have an arsenal between, you know, 10 and 20 bowling balls, uh, that I want to travel with. And I know what they do from top to bottom, what hooks more, what hooks less, um, and start going after it, you know, three, four five games a day. Uh, I'm not a real long practice guy. Uh, I'd rather stretch, uh, and throw shots in a quality type of way. Uh, I'm like a half hour, 45 minute practice guy and I'm done. Uh, and that incorporates, shooting spares, um, you know, playing different parts of the lane and throwing different bowling balls and, and make it, make it be done with. Um, I feel like sometimes you can practice too much. When you look at somebody who's just like a really, really good local player or a college player, how much difference is there between them and you? Uh, pr pretty big difference. You know, you, um, uh, you have different physical tools that, that separate the, the pros from just your regular um, league bowlers. Uh, just, uh, you know, so many, so many people uh, that bowl that are like over, like say like a two fifteen average in your local league. Um, they're able to, they have honed it on like one skill that they're, that they're good at. And they're able to, you know, they, they stand in a certain spot. They, you know, their, their axis rotation is the same. Their speed is the same, but it never changes. Um, but for us as professionals, you know, we've, um, gotten really, really good at doing, you know, four or five different things and changing angles and speeds and rotations and things like that. And that's really what, what separates the, the good league bowlers from, from the professionals. Um, there is, uh, it all really comes down to the patterns you're bowling on, uh, the competition that you currently have, you know, so I bowled a recreational league on Tuesday nights at, uh, Parkside lanes with my wife. And, uh, my brother and some really good friends and we do it for fun, but we're also very competitive. Uh, but when we're bowling on the recreational pattern, uh, my wife can beat me. Um, you know, I could have a, a night to where I can just go nine spare, nine spare, nine spare, nine spare, and she can throw a six or seven bagger and my friends can beat me. 
um, that I bowl league with on Friday nights, you know, where they can just string a bunch of strikes because the lane pattern is so forgiving. Uh, you know, people strike a lot and they bowl 250 to 300. So, uh, but when we get onto the PBA patterns that are a flatter ratio, um, it, it comes down to repetitiveness. So I'm way more accurate than most. Um, the, I should say pros and myself are way more accurate than the recreational bowler where, you know, we're hitting, uh, our target way more often, uh, and not asking for so much forgiveness when they see a, for, uh, a recreational pattern. Uh, so on a recreational pattern, you and I can go bowl. We're both going to go bowl 230. And I would probably do it for how many games we bowl for. And you're going to do it for, you know, six, seven, eight games out of 10. Uh, I'm going to do it probably nine out of 10, 10 out of 10 all the time. Now we go bowl on a PVA pattern. Uh, you're going to bowl 230, but it's going to be one out of 10 times. And I'm going to do it seven or eight out of 10 times, um, depending on what the pattern is. So correct me if I'm wrong, but the the oil basically on the lanes dictates kind of how the lane operates. That is true to some extent. There's also a thing we call topography. It's a lot like golf, right? So if you, you saw my beef with uh, Max Helm on Twitter recently, you know, we were going back and forth about the differences in golf and bowling. And uh, in our sport, we play on an invincible field, right? They put an oil pattern down on a lane, uh, but we have no idea what it's going to do. Now, sometimes they'll give us, uh, and most of the time they'll tell us what the pattern length is and the shape of the pattern, but the lane topography itself will tell you what part of the lane you probably should be playing in, uh, as the, the, the lane pattern does as well. So uh, every time you throw your bowling ball, the lane changes. And it doesn't matter if you're right-handed or left-handed, the, the oil tra- you know, transitions from front to back or it goes onto your bowling ball and, and soaks in. Um the one thing I always joke around with golfers is it's always 72 degrees inside and we're not worried about wind and rain, but we have both some events outside that, uh, we've dealt with the, the outside elements, but, um, you know, it's, uh, there's so much into it. Uh, the bowling ball you throw itself has a core in it and a cover, how it's drilled, if it's going to go longer, a hook earlier, if you put surface on it, it makes it hook sooner. If you put polish on it, it makes it go longer. Um, you know, you're playing first arrow and everybody on your pair is playing fifth arrow and they're bowling 250 and you're bowling 210, then you probably should change part of the lane. When you're in a competition, I mean, will, will one lane be different than the other? Oh, certainly. Yeah. All the time. Uh, um, it's, it's because of a couple different reasons. You're, especially for us, we bowl one game on a pair of lanes and then the next game we'll move to another one. So it's, can be determined by who is on the pair. Uh, in front of you, you know, you have a lot of different, you know, if you have guys who um, have a really, really low rev rate in front of you, they're not going to pull as much oil off the lane. But if you follow a bunch of guys who um, who have a lot of rev rate, they're going to pull a lot off. So, you know, that can really affect the way, you know, how your ball is going to react to the lane. Can you tell like immediately, as soon as the ball leaves your hand, if that's a strike or not? Um, I, will, I will know if I, if I threw it good or not. If I threw it physically good, um, but like, you know, I was explaining it's the, the environment is, is invisible. So, um, we can make, you make your best educated guess of where you're supposed to stand and throw it. Uh, and you can make the perfect shot and have a really imperfect result because you were, you know, you were standing in the wrong spot. We got a bunch of listener submitted questions in. Are you ready for some of the harder slash listener submitted questions? Of course. What size ball do you use and why? So the maximum you can go uh, is 16 pounds. I use, uh, and most professionals um, uh, and most people who bowl leagues will use will use 15 pounds. Um, you know, it's uh, forever we used to use 16. Everybody used 16, but the balls got so powerful that the deflection um, wasn't nearly uh, as great with the with the powerful balls. So people took the you know one less pound to kind of. Uh, you know, avoid, uh, the extra weight in the event, you know, the, you know, the thousands of shots that we throw, you know, that extra pound over time can, can cause some, some injuries. So that's something that we're like, I immediately get it. And then I think about it and I don't get it. So what's like the difference between using a 14 and a 15 and a 16 pound ball besides the weight? Like what's the, what's the, what's the point there? So when you, when you, when the ball hits the pins, you want it, um, you want it to drive through the pins. You don't really want the ball deflecting. So when you, like, it's like, so if you see, like, 
you know, if you go and you, you're bowling recreationally and you see like young kids and they're throwing like the six or eight pound balls, when they hit the pins, they immediately fly towards the gutter because they're just deflecting. The, you know, the, the, the pins weigh um, something like three and a half pounds. So, um, uh, you know, when you have an eight pound ball hitting those pins, they deflect off. Uh, and so, like, when you get to a point where, you know, 14 is probably the minimum that any um, competitive bowler would throw. Uh, and be, it's because if you know, you just don't you don't want that much deflection. You won't have as much drive to get to the pins in the back. Uh, what size ball? I would tell you what size weight ball do you use? Uh, so you have six to sixteen pounds. I threw sixteen pounds all the way up to 2015, 2016 season um, after I injured my hand in Dallas at the U.S. Open. Uh, I had to drop weight to fifteen pounds. Um, Really didn't notice much of a difference, but uh, I use a 15-pound bowling ball. What is your best average Joe tip? Like, average guy, you're going to give them one tip that's going to help them become better. What do you got? So, what I see all the time with, with people who are just uh, you know out for a night of fun, what they, they, they try to overthrow the ball with their upper body too much. And that's where the inaccuracy comes from and trying to, and it ends up in the gutter a lot because when you're whipping it around your body, it's impossible to repeat. So if you watch anybody who's, uh, you know, over a 180 average bowler, they're using their legs to create the, the, the power. So it's a, you're kind of walking by the ball instead of pulling it behind you. Um, and that would be the, you know, that's the thing that separates anybody who, who does it and people who don't is that you just try to, you know, muscle it. When you try to take, you want to try to take as much muscle out of it as, as humanly possible. Uh, well, it's kind of like a three kind of tip process, right? You got to have good balance. Um, every athlete has great balance in every sport. Uh, you need to follow through towards your target. So it doesn't matter if it's first arrow, third arrow, fourth arrow, whatever it is. And then you need to hit the one in the front. Uh, on your first ball or a second ball, depending on whatever it is. Um, those are kind of the three things that uh, recreational bowlers, we try to teach them more than anything, is great balance, follow through, hit your target, hit the one in the front. Favorite place to bowl, least favorite place to bowl? Oh, um, I like traveling. I really like getting around, around the world. Um, um, I like... Uh, I like bowling in. I, we, we we bowl in Japan, uh, like at least like once a year, and that's a cool place to go. It's just such a different cultural experience to what you know to what we do here. So I always find it really, really interesting and fun, and I enjoy being over there. I think let's say my least favorite place. I don't really have any like. I guess it would be depending on the time of the year. Sometimes you know we'll bowl in Houston. Sometimes in July, and so it's, it's very mm. sticky and hot. I don't like that. Or I've been to Scandinavia in January. Those would be places I would. I would try to try to avoid just simply because of the weather. Ooh, um, favorite place to bowl over the last decade, uh, realistically, last three or four years has been Shawnee, Oklahoma. I've won three times there uh, since 2013. I've had a lot of success in that building. I've shot 300, um, 289 to win this year in January. Another place would be South Point's original bowling center. Uh, did a lot of dominating uh, at the World Series of Bowling back in 2010, 11, 12. Um, it's not my least favorite place to bowl, but my ball doesn't strike there a whole lot, and that's in Columbus. Um, it's one of my favorite places to go because my, my mother's from that area. The owners, Wayne and Elaine Webb, are some of the best proprietors we have in our sport, but I do not bowl well in that building. Uh, I've had some moments but uh, it's a it's a tough place for me to, to go to. Is it a comfortable living? Like, can you make a pretty good amount of money bowling? It, I mean, I guess that that question um, is relative to what people think is a comfortable living. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I uh, I'll answer it this way. I it's the only job I've had for fifteen last fifteen years. I I, I don't have a, a secondary source of income. Yeah, so I mean, it, it, you know, there isn't a ton of guys in my in my situation. I've been fortunate to be, you know, at the at the, you know, in the top ten or fifteen for you know fifteen years. So um, there is a lot of guys who have like who, who operate pro shops uh, in their downtime. But for me, it's been mostly uh, you know all bowling stuff for the last fifteen years. Um, for a handful of ten guys, it is uh, the guys that are really good with their money. I've, you know, knock on wood, I've been very good with mine. Um, 
where I've, I've started some, you know, SEP accounts and IRAs and stuff for kids and college funds and stuff like that. Uh, but we've had some guys that have made millions of dollars, uh, not a whole lot, you know, three, four million, a couple million here and there. Um, but we're missing a zero, maybe two zeros compared to every other sport in when it comes to earnings. That, that's a fair way to look at it, right? I mean, I guess when I think about it in terms of major sports, maybe right below tennis in terms of oh, golf. We're way, we're way below tennis. Really? Like I, I mean, I see you guys on TV though all the time. Yeah, just yeah, but so our number one player in the world currently right now is Jason Belmonte. He's one of them. Um, EJ Tackett, Anthony Simonson, myself, uh, and a couple others. You know, top five, top ten. Um, Jason has made right around two hundred and forty thousand, I think, this year on tour. I can look it up here real quick. Um, I've made between January and March, I made forty five thousand roughly, and then I just made another forty eight thousand uh, in the last two months during um, some special events and, and finals of stuff. Uh, so I've made almost a hundred thousand this year, which is great. You know, I also have some uh, some sponsors that help pay me. But I pay all of my expenses. Um, you know, nobody else does that. Um, you know, you, you go play a golf tournament. Those guys are not paying for golf. Uh, they don't have injury fees. We have injury fees. We have hotels. Um, you know, so we have, uh, you know, we have our expenses we have to offset as well. Do bowlers talk trash to each other? And if so, who's the best trash talker? Oh, certainly. Yeah, certainly. Um it's tough because a lot of us are, are friendly, and I think that's something that, that hurts us, especially on, on television, because we all travel together. We're all um, we're all kind of next to each other all the time because we compete in the same events, and um, it, it's hard to, to create those kind of like rivalries because we're all kind of friendly. It's different than team sports where everybody's separated; you're just kind of hanging out with your team. So, uh, but we do certainly, you know, give each other at least. At the bare minimum, give each other, you know, really, really hard time, and uh, you know, we never let anybody slide on something that they do that's uh, that's you know stupid on the lanes for sure. If it's you, say it's you. Who's probably the best bowling trash talker? It's always the people who are good. Obviously, it's uh, you know Pete Weber's been really good for a long time. The guy who's um, the best in the world right now, Jason Belmonte. He's he's pretty good at it because it's easy to be the one doing the doing the trash talk when you are. Uh, beating people it's a it, it doesn't resonate as much if you're a you know if you're a middle of the pack type of guy <laughs> uh we should do more of it i think we'd uh we'd create more rivalries for fans to think there's rivalries um it would show some different sides of people uh some of the best trash talkers on on tour though are, are guys like Stu williams uh chris barnes is real real quiet uh tommy jones dino castillo um, there's a few more in there, but those guys, uh, they've got the great one-liners, um, and you just never see it coming. What number would I have to bowl for you to be impressed? Oh, there's no number. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, uh, I've seen, uh, the best and the worst of all types of people throughout life. So nothing really, nothing at this point really impresses me or I don't, uh, you know, because I will get from people when I show up at the local bowling center to practice. They're like, oh, I'm, I'm nervous to throw the ball around you. I'm like, I don't uh, care what you do. Like, there's nothing that you're going to do that's going to, like, make me think, like, oh, like, this guy shouldn't be around here because I've, I've seen it all. Uh, well, I'd have to watch you bowl first um, to actually gauge what kind of bowler you are. Uh, you know, like... I've never seen you throw a bowling ball before and you told me you averaged, you know, 130 and you threw a couple shots and I would be like, well, it's full of, you know, be, you know, full of S H I T. Uh, I would tell you, you know, you're 180, 190 average bowler, but then if you said you averaged 230 and you throw a couple shots and I go, okay, you're really full of it. You probably only average 180. Um, so it all depends on what, uh, what your form like and, and everything else. I mean, how often will you bowl a 300 game? Uh, well, I don't. Uh, I don't bowl much uh, in leagues anymore. So that's where you'll find a lot of the the higher scores because the, you know, like I was explaining about the the oil on the lanes. You know, oh. there's a there's an angle that you need to achieve to maximize the chance of striking. 
So when you can put oil on the lane to make it like almost like tracks where they just like direct the ball right into the right into the you know into the pocket to where you're you're just maximizing that chance of striking. So when we bowl on tour, the the lanes aren't aren't oiled like that, so it makes it a lot harder. So um, I usually I, I, I'm probably around a, a couple a year, maybe at this point, bowling on on the tour. Best bowling movie or TV show? Worst bowling movie or TV show? Oh, Kingpin's the worst. Is the it? absolute worst. Yeah. Well, from a bowling from a bowling perspective, because it just it, it, it makes us look so horrible. Uh, it doesn't really represent what it is that you know uh, what we do or, or how we approach it. It's just a you know it, it's just a movie that perpetuated all the bad stereotypes about about bowling. So I, I hate uh, absolutely hate that movie. But <laughs> um, I don't know how many other bowling movies would there be that? Um, I guess the Big Lebowski. Big Lebowski, but that was that. I think I've only seen it like once. I, was that really like a big? Wasn't really like a bowling movie though. I don't know. There really hasn't been a whole lot of movies about bowling, but um, I guess if I had to choose, it would certainly be Big Lebowski over Kingpin. Who is the best celebrity bowler that you've been around? Oh, uh, Mookie Betts, uh, baseball player, plays for the Dodgers. He's the best. Um, he actually competed in a handful of our events. He actually bowled a, a three hundred game at one of our events a few years ago. Um, he's, he's exceptional. He would, you know, he's somebody who could, if he, you know, obviously wasn't one of the best baseball players in the world, he could have, um, potentially ended up on, you know, bowling professionally. He's, he's, he's that good, but there's some other guys who were, who were, um, who were good. You know, uh, Terrell Owens is, is pretty good. Um, uh, let's see who else, uh, Jerome Bettis, uh, has bowled 300s before. Uh, it's funny you ask. The uh, the best celebrity bowler currently would be Mookie Betts. Is there like a is there a couple other people that you'd be like, all right, all right, they can go. No, yeah, there's uh, God, uh, there's plenty of great bowlers. A guy named C.J. Anderson who was a running back for the Broncos, a uh, friend of mine. Um, you know, golfers Mark Kalkovecchia and Woody Austin, senior golfers, but definitely can bowl as well. He's not the best celebrity bowler, but uh, Chris Paul, the third, um, unbelievable basketball player, but he's got a huge charity event that has ran for years with the PBA. It's called the Chris Paul Celebrity Challenge. Uh, you can you can follow it and watch a bunch of the, the things through YouTube, but a guy can bowl a little bit, uh, and he's brought hundreds of athletes and celebrities and people to this event through the years, but definitely another uh, good celebrity bowler, but... Best ball-related joke. Oh, I mean, when I used to when I used to work in the bowling center uh, when I was younger, you know, I was in high school. Um, uh, people would always call. It was the constant running joke of like the prank call to the bowling center would be, uh, you know, I'd say hello, uh, give them the name of the bowling center, and they would say, "Hey, do you guys have uh, fourteen pound balls?" And I would say, "Yeah, we do." And then they would say, "Oh, how do you walk?" And then they would hang up. So that was the that was the the running prank. The prank I, call when I was when I was working the bone center. I mean that is kind of I bet that got really annoying, but that is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I mean after a while, I would just like uh, I, I would I would I knew it was coming, and I would just like switch my answers up. I'd you know I'd, uh, one pound, and then they would be like, uh, 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 and then, you know they would just have they were just waiting for the the they would just you know wait for the me to say yes to, to fourteen pounds, and then they would drop the joke. So. That's really all the questions I got, man. Anything you think that we missed? What's coming up next for you? Uh, well, like every like everything else, uh, we're pretty pretty shut down at this point. We have a couple of events that we might be doing uh, scheduled at the end of September. We have a team event that we do in Portland, Maine, every year. Um, that's supposed to be at the end of September, but um, yeah, I mean, with everything shut down right now, we're we're pretty shut down too. So we're just kind of uh, you know waiting for things to clear up a little bit. Uh, yeah, so next right now for me would just be the PBA Tour Finals, our Tour Finals, that just concluded, the PBA Tour League, um, end of September in Portland, Maine, um, September 27th and 8th at Bayside Bowl, uh, really excited about that, um, but there'll be some small things that I could possibly participate in, but my wife and I just welcomed our third little girl, Elena oh, Ray, wow. in the world, June 29th. Uh, so I'm going to be staying home as much as possible, helping the wife with the kids, uh, you know, trying to stay away from, from COVID, of course, uh, and trying to stay healthy. Uh, there's so much going on right now, as always. But 
uh, I'm very, very fortunate to be able to take some time off uh, here over the next month or so. And then you've got a you got a raffle coming up too, right? Yeah. So uh, about three weeks ago, myself, the PVA, Bayside Bowl, and 900 Global uh, have come together to put together an all expense paid trip that I'm paying for for a fan and a guest to attend the PBA league at Bayside Bowl in late September, which is basically our next event on the PBA tour. Um, so it's a really cool deal, something to give back. The best part about it, it's uh, raising money for breast cancer awareness. Uh, so our, our charity is the Striking Against Breast Cancer uh, Foundation down in Houston, Texas. A lady named Donna Connors put together this uh, event 20 plus years ago and uh, just really excited to be able to give back. That's one of the best things about uh, our sport is the things that we've been able to do. So we're selling raffle tickets for $10 a piece, uh, six for 50, and uh, all the money is you know being donated to help fight against breast cancer. So really excited about that. I want to thank Bill and Sean so much for joining us. If you want to connect with them, we have linked to them on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we have also included their information on the RSS feed that's on this podcast. I have to say this. They are incredibly nice guys. Like, just really cool guys. So if you get a chance, follow them, support them. I mean, like I said, who doesn't like bowling? Okay. Now let's go ahead and give John Shaw a call. And if if you missed it last episode... He's he's struggling right now. Hello? Okay. When you look at any of the issues that you're struggling with in your life right now, are any of them not your fault? No, probably most of them. I would say, again, 95% are my fault. I mean, other than you know what we know is going on with the world and the pandemic, I'd say, again, 95% is everything that I've done to myself. Yeah, I feel like, honestly, I feel like that might be a little low, because I would look at my life and like, yeah, there's definitely some stuff that you can't control, but I might go as high as 98% are basically in one way or another my fault. Uh, so like, so say you're stressed out, right? Say, say you're, do, do you attribute, like, do you say that it's your fault you're stressed out? Or do you allow yourself, like, are you going to give it a little bit of a pass to say, oh, you know, the pandemic's stressing me out, so that's a little bit at fault as well. It's just not completely my fault. No, because I think that your reaction to it is entirely under your control. Y- yeah, I don't I don't disagree with you, actually, for, for once on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> nothing, you got nothing, huh? You thought I was going to have some witty comeback like usual. I actually blanked out for a second trying to make sure the audio worked, and I didn't hear what you said, so I, I froze. <laughs> Listen, nothing can be as bad as when we started doing this, and my phone would cut out, um, and, and, and it was just embarrassing. But we're a long way away from that. That was a long time ago. Speaking of which, I don't know how this is actually directly tied into it, but I, I, I look, I'm really struggling here right now, and I couldn't think of a better transition. But go ahead and tell us. Go ahead and tell us about your about your health screening that you got. <laughs> you're right I, you know i was expecting a lot better transition but you know what we all we all get an off day it's fine uh i i don't have any answers yet um i i, I don't i don't have any answers i get my so my weight i don't even remember what we said uh i was 279 so i don't know if i if i won or you won i can't remember i think i thought you were going to be over 285 but you thought yeah, you were going to be under 275 yeah, well, I, I, I was not. I was right in the middle of what we both thought. So, uh, so there's that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to. I don't want to upplay it. I don't want to downplay it. I just, I don't really have any answers. Um, I had to spend the whole. So I went to the appointment in the morning, and then the rest of the afternoon, I was getting separate testing. Not a good sign. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not a good sign. Um, <laughs> they don't keep you it, around, but you do well. It's not like you <laughs> advance to the next round and you get a bonus thing. Like that's how okay. How far how far into the appointment in talking like minutes? How many minutes into the appointment did you did it take before you got bad news like or the doctor said you need to lose weight, you need to do this? How many minutes in before he said something negative towards you? Uh well I mean he started off with um you know you know, the niceties first and then he went directly into 
uh, you know, you've gained 55 pounds in four years. Um, you are, know. are we talking within the first minute? No, no. I mean, you know, we bullshitted like the first actual minute of consultation. Yes. Okay. Yes. So he got. <laughs> Did he make um, any kind of face when he walked into the into the into the room? No, <laughs> no. He just he sat down and uh, and said, "Well, it's been about a year since I've seen you. Um, uh, you know, the last time you were here, you were for testicular pain. How's that going?" And then we just went right into to the to now. Were you really there for testicular pain? I was actually yes. Uh, do you elaborate? <laughs> um, I, I I had had some issues with um, uh, <laughs> a throbbing pain coming from that region uh, that was not sexually induced. Uh, so I went to the doctor to make sure that it wasn't anything serious. And maybe my doctor's a joke or, or, or maybe he just knows better, but as soon as I walked in and I told him what, what was going on, he said, why did you even come into the office? It's just regular soreness from, you know, just from just aging and things. You don't have cancer. You don't have this. Your balls aren't twisted around. You know, get the hell out of here. Wait, just regular soreness. Like what kind of people, they get older, they just experience <laughs> regular ball pain like that. <laughs> I'm not just, so, like, look, I mean, I'm older than you, and at no point in my life have my balls just started hurting for no reason. And I thought, I thought to myself, oh, I guess I'm getting older. Well, I mean, I, I, I was trying not to go deep into it. He checked it out. He, you know, he looked at it. He felt the, felt it up. There, there wasn't anything significant. They drew my blood, sent it away. Nothing came back on that. So he said it must have just been, you know, it must just be something going on with your body or something, you know, it's nothing medically that I can treat is, is basically what it came down to. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I listen, uh, if anyone's still listening to this and you want to start a, a petition to kick me off, please do so. Cause I understand how painful that must've been to listen to. No, it's just, it's painful in the sense. Like, what did you do? Like what happened? Why can't you just say what happened? Because there seems to be some lingering thing that like, are, is that how you get down? Like you want the missus to just kick you right there? Like what's what's happening? I, I don't have an answer. I, I don't know. That's why I went in. I because I, I, you know, it, it must have been a, a muscle or something. I mean, I, I don't know. Like I, I, it stopped hurting probably a week or two after that, and I haven't thought of it since. It hurt for a whole week for no reason. Uh, probably. I mean, to be honest, it probably hurt for two or three weeks. You just and the doctor didn't. I don't know who's more to blame here. It sounds like this doctor is incredibly negligent. Like, you should go back. I would have been asking additional follow-up questions at the very least. Like, hey, doc, my arm kind of hurts. Oh, don't worry about it. How long has it been? Six years. Oh, no big deal. <laughs> Listen, I don't think we need to get into doctors and, and how trustworthy they are and things, but when the doctor tells me that, you know, I shouldn't be worried. I'm not going to worry. That is not necessarily what he said this time, but you know we'll, we'll see what happens when the tests start coming back. So, can you tell us what kind of tests you have to have? Uh, I won't tell you all of them. Some of them are kind of personal. Uh, the one that I that you'll probably get a kick out of, uh, or maybe not, because um, you might actually like me as a friend. I don't know, but uh, uh, they're they're testing me for heart disease. Yeah, dude, that sounds horrible. <laughs> um, yeah, let's just say that when they when I went to go get a cat like cat scan, I just didn't get one cat scan. I got like four cat scans of different parts of my body. I think so, the big I think the big question now is, can I have your stuff? <laughs> because that's basically the road we're going down. Like, just can I have what of your stuff? Can I have? Because. I'm not gonna lie to you, and you know we don't like to get too real too often on the show, and I get it because it's fun. But I, I've kind of spent the last week like just thinking to myself, like, holy shit! Like, I had a, a lot of fun in my 20s and even my early 30s, but what damage did I, I like really do to my body? I mean, I'm legitimately worried about you. Like, you should really start taking better care of yourself. 
<laughs> it's not even well, this is not even like a funny joke at this point. Like, wow, you really need to make some lifestyle changes. Well, yes, there, yes, there's that, uh, which I had my appointment, and then not to be even more of a Debbie Downer, but there was a, a, a pretty well-known Detroit sports radio personality that announced he had colon cancer last Monday, and he passed away on Saturday, and he was only 48. So I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about my own appointment. It's like, you know, just just go get regular checkups. And I, I, I'm not one of those people to advocate for that, but I might be after what I what I'm going through. It's, I mean, it's legitimate. Like once you pass thirty five, get around that area, like man, you could go. Like you really could. Like you're not indestructible anymore. You get a, like, something goes wrong. Like, shit starts break. Look, if it was a car, like, imagine you're five years into owning a car. It's still a relatively new car, but that engine could blow up at any time, right? And you can't really be, like, that's a legitimate, like, mm, it's getting up there. Yeah, I mean, what's, uh, you know, I, like I said, I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want this to be a, a serious, you know, show, but, yeah, I just, I, I was, like, in shock when I left, when I had, like, four scripts for four different, other tests and I, and, and like, I know they needed to be done. It wasn't like, you know, I, like he just gave me the scripts to be, you know, cautious. Like in my mind, I agreed with him that I needed to get these things checked out. Even if they're great, like that's great. But just on the odd chance that, you know, three out of my four valves in my heart are shut, which they aren't, but if they're on their way, like I need to be serious about making some lifestyle choices. Okay, so two follow-up questions real quick. Number one, after you went to the doctor that day, what did you eat for dinner? Number two, did you exercise the next day? Uh, so, no, I have not exercised. Okay, good, good, good. <laughs> but uh, I have I have been eating, at least to me, what's better, uh, been eating salads, like chicken salads pretty much ever since. Okay, what did you have that night, though? I, I had a salad. I don't. I don't even recall if I had chicken on it, but I know I had salad. Um, dressing? No dressing. Uh dressing. What kind? Probably, probably like some kind of Italian vinaigrette or something. Okay. But you know, it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't. We'll see. Like I said, I don't want to upplay it. I don't want to downplay it. Um, you know, it, it is what it is. I'm sure it will all be fine, and I will be here to bother you for a long time to come. And just in case you've ever wondered if you could host the Profoundly Pointless podcast, go ahead and send me an email. Yeah. <laughs> and there will be a GoFundMe for my family soon as well. So uh, go Nick ahead. will post that link as well. I'll post that as well. Uh, are you ready for your thing? Yeah, yeah. I feel like, you know, now that I've brought the entire show down, I might as well, you know, give well, some shout-outs yeah, here. I so, hope, uh, hope you this you should start taking this seriously. Yeah, I know. I, maybe that's just the thing. I need to start taking life more seriously. No more, no more Johnny Vegas shots. That's that's a no no. Um, anyways, all right. Let's give out some uh, some well deserved shout outs here. Uh, we'll start with Luke, Michael Romero, uh, Maria Harrington, uh, Brandon Schaub, Chris Barnes, who also is a professional bowler by the way. Love you, Chris Barnes. Shout out to you if you ever check us out. Uh, Sky Kirsten, Gerald. Katrina, uh, Vita, and Ellen Perry. You guys get the gold stars uh, for the week. So check us out, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, lots of good stuff up there. So, all right, Nick, uh, let's see. If you have to live with one, are you going to live with no air or no heat? Well, you would die with no air. <laughs> I mean, like in your house, I mean. Well, no you would still die. No heat. Do you mean no air conditioning? Because if you had no air, you're going to die. So. You're, you're going to you're the only person that that would ask that follow-up question. You're right. See, I'm. It's it's the air shortage I have uh, that's blocking my brain. So yes, no air conditioning or no heat. Well, it depends on where you're living, right? Like I live in Seattle right now, and we don't have an air conditioner in the house. And you got to open the doors at night. You're going to go through an hour where it's pretty hot, but you can get through it. Now I don't know about so if I'm living here, then I would go with I would go with no air, and I would want heat. Let's just assume, okay, for the for the for the general purpose, let's assume that you live in the middle of the United States in Kansas, where the weather can be anywhere between twenty and one hundred and ten. 
I would go, honestly, I think that you can always put more clothes on. Like, I can get through being cold. I hate being hot. How about you? Yeah, I would rather be uh, cold than hot, which makes no sense because I'm a bigger person. Um, but I don't like wearing a lot of layers of clothes. Okay. Well, I mean, you're so. a bigger person, so you probably don't need to. 279 pounds, baby. But that's gonna, that's going to change. That's going to change. I'm My sure goal is to be like Adele by the by the end of the year. She did lose a lot of weight. I'm just going to lose a whole person. You. That's the thing. Actually, at your height, you could lose a whole person and still be considered normal weight range. Uh, you yeah, could lose I'm a pretty. I mean, what's a normal person? 150 pounds. Yeah. So you could lose. Almost 150 pounds. You could lose 150 pounds. I looked this up the other day because I was making fun of another friend of mine. You could lose. You could legitimately lose. You could drop down to 140, and the doctor would still be like, "Yeah, you're in the you're in the normal range." That's. You don't even want like my BMI. <laughs> on the printout he gave me, it just had like the dashes through it. It didn't even register. It just had a picture of gravy. <laughs> I did say that joke to him, by the way. <laughs> did he that's, laugh, that, that, or was he like, "No, no, Mr. Shaw, this is serious incident"? <laughs> no, he laughed. I asked him, like, you know, if your blood was gravy, what kind of gravy? You know, he he has he's had three stents put in his heart. So, oh, what gets, the fuck is he talking about then? He what? gets uh, he gets it. <laughs> Anyways, I don't um, trust a big over. Look, if you're an overweight doctor. Like, we're talking, like, man, that guy's an overweight doctor. Mm, I don't know about that, right? Like, you're obviously not taking this too seriously either. <laughs> He's fine. He's a good guy. All right. Um, you're gonna, you got to buy your kids one. Which one are you picking, a turtle or a fish? Oh, fish, man. That's much less care, right? You put some food in there once a day, turtle. Like a turtle, you can get a little bit emotionally attached to it because you can bring it out and hold. That's going to be a big deal when they die. Like fish, eh, oh, my fish died. All right, let's move on. Get you another one. Papa Shaw, and then he flushes your turtle down the, down the toilet after he dies, and he doesn't even tell you. No big deal. Um, What's ridiculous to me about that is that your father should have known a lot more. I mean, that can clog the pipes. That's an expensive issue. That's bad parenting from a household management standpoint. Not from an emotional care, but from, like, you clog the pipes, that's going to cost you a couple hundred bucks at least. Like, he didn't think that through. Well, you know. Let's see. Elliptical or a treadmill? I hate to say it, but I'm an elliptical man. What's wrong? I, I don't understand why ellipticals get heat, man. I really don't. Because it's just... I think because when they first came out, like, guys weren't doing cardio. Right, so guys were just getting laid fun of if they were doing anything besides basically like running from a bear, and then you can't hop on the elliptical when you're only supposed to be running from a bear or chasing down ninjas, and so that kind of ruined the elliptical, and now you can't be on it. <laughs> I I think that's great. That's I, I have nothing else to say. I'm uh I'm just gonna turn it back over to you now. All right, well let's count down our top five, and in honor of John Scholl's poor life decisions that have now put him in this place. We are going to count down the top five life decisions that always come back to bite you in the ass. What's your number five? Uh, not going to the bathroom before getting into a car for a long road trip. Ooh, that's a good one. I don't necessarily know if it's top five, but I think that's definitely a solid honorable mention. Uh, you know, I, I, I it's seen it's which is what it's something like one of my things, man. I, I could not have to pee, and within twenty minutes, I'm gonna have to go, and you know, it's 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 a terrible feeling. We've well, all been there. So the the problem I think is is that as soon as you think about peeing, like wherever you are listening to this right now, ask yourself, do I have to pee? Within the next five minutes, the answer is going to be, yeah, you have to pee. As soon as you think it, you've got to go. <laughs> I have to pee right now. What's uh, what's your number five? Look, I have a foolproof strategy for peeing in a car. By the way, while driving, you want you want to give us the the guide, the how the how to. First thing you got to do is you got to get like an old Powerade bottle, not Gatorade, specifically Powerade, because the the lip to the Powerade is a little bit bigger. You get yourself some paper towels from the back from the from the gas station. You take your pants down, put the paper towels underneath the area, the problem area, 
Then you put it inside of the Powerade bottle, pee in the Powerade bottle, close the lid, use the paper towels, wipe up any residual, and then you put the Powerade bottle in a safe location until you can dispose of it. It's foolproof. You're talking to a guy who used to have to drive like two or three hours every day. I know how to pee in a car. <laughs> and you sound pretty passionate about it as well. I it, Look, I, it's a really, I honestly think it's the best system. I've passed it on to others. They've used the system. It's effective. Uh, my number five is not picking up dog poop. You're always going to step in it. Oh, that's a good one, man. That's, uh, yeah, landmines are, are, are for real and not just in war. Okay, what's your number four? <laughs> uh, eating spicy or fast food late at night. I've never had the issue with the late at night, though. That never has affected me. The, the timing has always not really had an impact on me. But I would agree with you. Yeah, you, you must have a stomach of steel then because, I don't know, I, I, I don't handle it very well. I'm, I'm always shooting out bullets for the next day if I eat anything like that late at night. And I've done it plenty of times. Ask my doctor. Now, do you catch fire coming in and going out or do you catch fire mainly only one way? No, I, I'm on fire at both ends and, and it's... I mean, when it comes out, it's coming out hard and, and going in hard. You know what I mean? <laughs> Not really. Well, you seem to have a lot of experience in it, so I'll trust your judgment. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Mine is shots. I mean, shots for number four is like, you pass a certain age, right? Like, look, it's fun. It's a good time. But you're always going to regret, like, man, I should have taken that shot. <laughs> so that's pretty much my number three. I have drinking too much yeah i would agree so, with that that's a solid number three i mean you yeah. could, i could see a lot of people putting that higher if we were doing this 10 years ago we probably would have put that number one or number two <laughs> uh grandma your name man mm, the best baby uh yeah. my number three is going cheap on life necessities like anything that you're gonna need any piece of equipment any service anything like that that you're legitimately gonna need you can't go cheap on that stuff so, yeah, so my number two is, like, buying off-brands uh, for things. So, similar. You can get away with it, like, the T-shirts and stumps, some stuff. But other stuff, I feel like, mm, you got to spend that money. You get a Dyson vacuum cleaner, that Dyson vacuum cleaner will change your fucking life. I mean, it, it will suck up everything. Suck up like a hoop, like a, like, Mama Shull? <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Did you just make a, you just make a, a blowjob joke about my mother? No, dude. It's, she's, 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 she's. Oh, Jesus. All right. Uh, what's your number two? <laughs> I didn't want to yeah. do it, but I couldn't resist it. Um, procrastinating in general, right? That's always going to come back and, and bite you in the ass. Yeah, I mean, I thought about, I mean, I thought about it. It's just, I didn't put it on. I guess it's an honorable mention for me. You put it off? Put it off till later? <laughs> see I, I played right into it man this is uh you know what a weird episode we had this time um all right my number one uh sending the i know i shouldn't text this person you know after a, a late night of drinking but i do anyways mine is kind of similar like that it's in the same vein my number one is just getting back together with your ex <laughs> uh, which everybody does but you always know you shouldn't, but you do it anyways. Do you know anybody that's had a long breakup and got and it's actually like worked out? Long term, right? Like they had to have been broken up for at least let's say three months. And it was a long term relationship. Not just married, they were married for a couple of months and then they've got a divorce. But like, okay, this this ended up working out long term. Uh, I mean I mean, no one comes to mind. Um yeah, I don't think so. Uh, not that I, I – there was somebody in college I knew, but, I mean, yeah, I don't know. What about you? No, I can't think of a single person. <laughs> That's because all, all, all the guys that I know that are single now broke up with those women and never got back with them, and now they're single. Right, or those girls broke up with those guys. This is an equal <laughs> opportunity show. Uh, what's in, <laughs> No, I can't think of a single person that, that's like, oh, yeah, that worked out. Yeah, I, I can't. I don't think. I don't. Uh, yeah, 
I don't think, so there's that. Oh, I do know one person. But they were together only in high school, and then they got back together, like, after college. Okay. I mean, that's a, that's quite a long... That's a pretty long break. Break off or whatnot. That's kind of like a new, almost a brand new relationship. Zuz is yeah, a completely you're... different person by that time. <laughs> I, I I would think so. Especially, you said, because of college? Yeah, you've done so much cocaine and blow by that by that point. Yeah. You probably got... There's a, I got nothing. Uh, what's your, what's your, what's your, what's in your honorable mention? Got him. Um, so I, I have like going cheap on like a baby products, like diapers and things. Um, just cause I've had some horrible experiences with, you know, like Kroger brand diapers, um, not holding pee or not, you know, holding poop and things like that, you know, and that's obviously pretty disgusting. Um, I also have like making fun of like mentally disabled people. What? Just bad karma in general. <laughs> Why were you ever making fun of mentally disabled no, no, I'm people? Saying, I'm not saying me. I'm just saying like in general, like making fun of you know somebody else doesn't that doesn't necessarily have to be you know mentally disabled people. Just making fun of somebody else in general. Okay. All right. Good. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> File that in it. File that into the good to know category. What is this like? You know the title of this episode? What was it like? Episode one twenty or one eighteen or whatever it is. Like it should be like getting to know John. <laughs> Period. All right. Yeah. This is episode one oh nine, I believe, technically. Holy shit! We've been doing this for a long time. I don't really have any that great of honorable mentions. You know, most of them revolve around, like, making bad decisions with alcohol or the sex that you're interested in. I mean, pretty much, you could fill out a top 20 on those two things alone. <laughs> Buying I mean, the insurance, I would say that's always a mistake. I mean, I, I, I had another one, like, you know, eating, eating like, that extra thing, like, when you're not hungry, but it's there, so you eat it anyways, and you feel like shit. Oh, going to a buffet would be up there. Like, that's always a bad decision in one way or another. Don't you make fun of... Don't don't you say bad things about Buffet. Well, are you going furs or are you going to Golden Corral? Oh, I mean, I'll, I'll hit up some Golden Corral. I don't know about right now with the pandemic, but back in the day I would have. Probably says a lot about my current situation. What restaurant do you trust the least in a pandemic? Simply so, because of the fact that it's a pandemic. Like, if it wasn't the pandemic, you'd be like, okay... But because it's a pandemic, you now are like, mm, I don't know about that. I got to tell you, I, I've been to a couple of fast food restaurants, and I've I paid for my food and left, but I haven't eaten it because, like, the people at the grill aren't wearing masks, or the person that, like, hands me the food isn't wearing a mask. How do you know that? Did you go in? Well, you can see them through the drive-thru. Oh, good point. Good point. So, How much money yeah. have you wasted then in fast food purchases? <laughs> it's happened three times. And, uh, oh, fuck, I'll put them on blast because they deserve it probably. Uh, Taco Bell. Don't you dare. KFC. Don't. <laughs> it's my boys. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't even say that without laughing. And, uh, Wendy's. Wendy's was the worst. Um, but I complained both times or all three times and wrote the corporate and, you know. What? You know. Wow. You took that whole step? Like, you actually wrote to corporate? Did you write on Twitter, or did you, like, find their email address and send them something? Yeah, I, I mean, I found, like, a, a corporate email, which no one reads, um, and, and sent them something. And listen, I, I don't, I'm not trying to, like, put anybody down or anything, but, I mean, it's, it's not contained, right? And, I don't know, maybe people should have been wearing masks if you're a cook the entire time anyways throughout history. Like, I don't know. I don't want you to be spitting on my food while you're cooking. You know what I mean? Have you ever worked in the food service industry? Well, so no, I haven't. And I understand if people completely just dismiss what I'm saying. But to me, you know, I, I just, I don't know if you have COVID. You don't know if I have COVID, but I'm wearing a mask in my car in the drive-thru. At least, and you're supposed to be wearing a mask making food. As a person who has worked in the food service industry, both in like a fast food restaurant, as a bartender, at a grocery store, all that kind of stuff, your food is disgusting by the time it gets to you. 
between the people who touch it, the places it goes, your food is disgusting by the time it gets to you. It's gross. Uh, it's it. disgust. No matter where you are, no matter what restaurant you are, it's always going to be disgusting by the time it gets to you. Like so many people have touched that, or it's been on the ground. Like your shit is nasty, and just get over it. <laughs> I mean, I. But but kind of getting back to the original question, if it you know in a normal circumstance, I, I probably wouldn't care. But with COVID and this and that, and you know, you you just don't know. Yeah, I agree. Let's let's stop it now. Oh, okay, that's gonna go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We would love to hear what life decisions that you guys have that just always come back to always always come back to bite you in the ass. Maybe listening to this podcast is one of them. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.